this is the messy back end, where experts share customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes on behind the beautifully branded front end of entrepreneurship. This is where most businesses fail. So we're here to help you save time, make money, and succeed. And now your hosts of The Messy Back End, Sheila J. Davis and Nate Tucker. Uh, we've got a wonderful show for you today. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes a review can make or break a business. So today we're going to be talking about what to do if you have a bad review. Absolutely. Thanks, Nate. Um, and later on, we're going to be talking to Igor Mateski about content and keyword messes that you want to avoid because duplicating, duplicating, duplicating doesn't work anymore and you need to make sure you're doing it right. Um, and so I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to content, I am a pro at putting my foot in my mouth. It's my best skill. So today during our podcast, you'll also hear from, you'll hear questions from real entrepreneurs with really messy backends. And our panelists are going to be sharing their expertise and tools on how that you, how you can clean up those messes. Stay tuned. On our expert panel today, we have Mike Koala, an expert entrepreneur, author, and co-founder of Dinner Table MBA. Roger Copenhaver, sales coach, trainer, consultant, and founder of Connect Utah. And Trish Thomason, founder of Social Butterfly, putting the buzz into social media pages. If you are an entrepreneur with a messy backend and you would like to be a guest or submit a question, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit us at themessybackend.com. Are you ready to put your business on autopilot and actually live your life? We simply offer the best strategies and solutions anywhere online at Lock and Load Marketing. Development, design, and marketing solutions to keep your business on target. Come conquer life's challenges with laughter with our very own Nate Tucker, founder of laughingwithnate.com. Funny guy, photographer, digital marketer, entrepreneur, philanthropist, animal lover, and most importantly, pizza connoisseur. Visit laughingwithnate.com. So before the show, our panelists are given detailed descriptions of your biggest messes, and then they're each share their best idea, strategy, or tool for success with you so that you can choose from the one that you like the best and implement it in your business. And then in order to be able to help everybody else with their messes, we want you to join us back in 30 days where we would love to hear about how our suggestions helped you in your business. Because as Abraham Lincoln says, most folks are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And this particular question today is we're calling the public mess, right? So how many of us have seen a bad review on social media? I think we all have seen that happen. Um, I know there was one coach that I was following and she um, plagiarized another coach's products and in, then somebody just like plastered it all over the groups. And she made a comeback, which I think is amazing. If you can make a comeback from a public mess, that's pretty incredible. So that's kind of the topic. I would love to hear from anybody who wants to chime in first. Like, what are your thoughts on the public messes? Don't hide from it. Oh, go ahead. Don't, don't hide from it. Yeah, that's, that's actually really good. And that's what she did. She yeah. came right out and said, hey, 
I did. I Come up. out, be prepared, yeah. be honest, be open. I've had so many things in multiple different businesses happen. I've had theft where I was investigated by the FBI because of uh, employees. Um, I was on the media that night. I made a public statement. I was tweeting about it. I was very vocal instead of hiding underneath it, uh, underneath the rug. I had a big manufacturer come after me publicly. I have had, as seen on TV, Kevin Harrington come after me. And uh, I, I, would, I would just say whether it's a small business, even it's a customer calling in to complain. I used to tell my employees, love customer complaints. You know why? They're giving you a chance to fix it. And when there's a problem, you also have a chance to make the stance. It's when you're not out there talking about it that all these rumors start to, to be made, right? So just get out in front of it. Be honest. And if you made a mistake, own it. People make mistakes. It's all right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Trish, what were you going to say? I'm, exactly. You have to learn from it. And then after you learn from it, bury it. You got to bury them online with positive and better reviews. So, you know, don't dwell too much on that, that bad thing that may have happened, that bad experience, learn from it, grow from it, and then encourage your best clients and more people to write reviews so that that one kind of drops down and people aren't seeing it nearly as much. Instead, they're hearing from many more people that do appreciate what you do and do appreciate your services. So that would be like on Yelp and Google reviews and stuff like that. You want to kind of push it down. And then like Mike said on social, just come out and go, you know what? I'm a human being. Anybody who's not throw the first stone, right? But even on Yelp, respond. If you're a restaurant and there's people complaining about your restaurant, guess what? First off, consumers are smart. If you only have five-star reviews, if you only have five-star in anything, you know, people are going to be like, eh, I'm not too sure about this. People want to see that you're human. People are okay with it. But as the owner, be in front of it, whether it's on social media, whether it's on review sites, whether it's in the media, it doesn't matter where, be on it. If you have to send a newsletter out, I've sent emails to customers. My previous com company, you know, it. we got hit by Twitter really hard for my software company. Guess what? I sent an email out to just about 100,000 folks right up in front of it. So you have to do that. And if, you know what? Nine out of 10 times, you're going to multiply your business because everybody's going to start sharing it and being so happy and come behind you because everybody likes to root for the underdog. Yeah, and I've seen that too, where if, if somebody gets a bad review, the, the whatever, like the restaurant, for example, or, or social media companies will come on and say, okay, yeah, that happened. And this is what we're going to do to fix it. And to me, that's like way standing up, you know, saying, hey, you know, you had a bad experience. We're going to give you a free meal to come back and try us again must have been an off night, somebody was having a bad day. Mm. And then that person will come back and give you another review and say, hey, yeah, you know what? They screwed up, they fixed it, I'm good. They'll change it 100%. My online company, we used to ship, I don't even know, hundreds of products a day. Um, you know, we had 200,000 products on the site. We were always getting reviews. They would leave a bad review sometimes. They would come back in and fix that review because of the way that we handled it. And then they would tell two or three other folks. So 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us have come into a situation where that prospective client has had a, a, a bad experience, right, with you or with the company. Um, and so to be on the front end with it, you know, just to acknowledge it, right, like Mike was saying, uh, you know, I, I understand you're aware of some issues that may have happened. And it's really just building that trust with them. It's, 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 getting, it's getting them to, 
to acknowledge that, hey, you're, you're there to help resolve any issues. And, and I tell people in sales, if you know there's been an issue in the past, don't sell. Don't, you, you've got to become a problem solver. You've got to be able to help um, fix any issues first to build that trust. Yeah. And it's also really important. Go ahead, Trish. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's also important not to argue with the customer online. Oh, yeah. uh, don't start arguing. Don't start, you know, coming up with all these defenses on why it happened. You know, take the ownership, as Mike is saying, but also don't argue with them. If there is a discrepancy with the review, then try to move it off of social media or off online, like state, you know, email me at this address. We want to fix this. You know, it, our customer service is very important to us. You know, call us or email us at this information here. You know, try to get it off of online and they might come back and edit it if there was a discrepancy or just some sort of miscommunication. Most people just want to be heard. Like, let's be honest, right. especially, you know, we've all been upset in our lives at one time or another. If you're human, there's been a time, okay, other than Sheila, but, right. yeah. you know, right. all of us have been upset. <laughs> and usually when you get upset about something, um, you, you just want to, you want to vent, you want to, you want to be heard. So if you get online to go on to Yelp to write a review, it's because you want to be heard, whether it's, you want to be heard by other customers who have agreed and been like, yeah, that's a horrible place. Never go back there. Or you just want to be heard sometimes by the business owner or the manager saying, hey, I hear you. I hear that you had a bad experience. Let's make that right. Not trying to make up an excuse, like you said, not trying to say, well, that's because of this or because of that, because now they're not being heard. And that's all customers. And that's all really all of us. We just want to be heard. So if you listen, you know, yeah, I've seen that actually in a feed recently. Um, it was a product that was for sale and I saw a lot of comments and I thought, I wonder what people are saying about this product. And you know, the saying like, don't read the comments because there's always like, you know, <laughs> trolls or whatever. But I when there's do. a product for sale, I do go read the comments because I want to find out, you know, have people tried it or whatever. And like Trish said, I love it when I see someone who has a complaint and their response is, we want to help fix this. Please message us. Right. So like Mike said, they're owning it and they're not trying to resell, right? They are taking it off so you can find out what really happened because I would say 50% of the time it's customer error. It's possible. I mean, hey, it happens. Happen. I mean, isn't the client always right? Customer's always right. Uh, except <laughs> in online business. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the, the, the term customer is always right lends to the fact, not necessarily that the customer is actually right, but that we want to that. help them feel like they had a good experience, right? right? Like, I hate it when you see on YouTube, there's like a video of somebody trashing company. Well, the customer's always right. Like, well, you know, we want to make you happy, but if you're going to treat us like that, what can we do to make you happy? There's nothing we can do, so... I love it. You guys are amazing. Let's go out there and try and take care of our public messes the right way by owning up to them and, uh, and then just taking care of our customers. Thanks, you guys. At this point in our show, we would like to share with you the messes that have been cleaned up by our expert panelists who have shared their advice with entrepreneurs who have visited the show. Since this is a new show, we don't have the stories to share with you yet, but we will very soon. At The Messy Backend, we do things a little bit differently. We don't just dish out advice and expect it to work. 
we will give advice to our entrepreneurs who call in or who submit their questions, and then you can come back in 30 days and tell us the results of the advice that was given. Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? What did you try that did work? What questions do you still have? We want to be able to give a full, well-rounded solution to your messy backend. So be sure and join us so that we can hear not only the messy backend, but how you cleaned it up. So be sure to join us, not just for the messy backend, but also the cleanup. Do you have big ideas for your business, but you need a little help with those logistics? Or maybe you've been so busy building your business that you haven't had the time to give your customers that much needed TLC? That's where Pam Langard at Ridgetop Virtual Solutions comes in. She can help with that. RidgetopVirtualSolutions.com From shopping online to determining if Amazon Prime is a good deal for your family, check out TrueMoneySaver.com and manage your money so you can get more even though you're spending less at TrueMoneySaver.com Welcome back to the mass, Messy Backend. We're here today with our panelists as well as Igor Mateski. Igor, I never say your name right. Is that even right? No, you're spot on. A spot on, sweet. Okay, cool. Um, Igor is one of my amazing friends that I've known for quite a few years, and he is an expert when it comes to online business. And so we're super glad that he's joining us today, and he's going to be sharing with us some information about SEO keywords and content. Content's one of your biggest deals too, I think, uh, Igor. You even have a platform that helps people share that, right? So um, let's just dive right in and start with the first question that our listeners have shared with us. And that first question is, how do I choose and use SEO keywords? This is tricky, I think, for a lot of us. Um, yeah, it's tricky because it has a lot of history and the history was you pick a keyword, you write about it and uh, miraculously your website ranks. Uh, but the thing now is that there is so much noise, so much competition that you just can pick a keyword and rank just like that. Um, what I suggest to my, uh, colleagues here that I employ basically and, and my, uh, uh, my clients is that instead of thinking about search engine optimization, we should we should start thinking about uh, optimizing content for conversions, uh, user intent copywriting is uh, is the phrase that we're using. So let's say um, uh, a person is looking for an iPhone. So you'd have one group of keywords that's gonna be what's an iPhone. So that's gonna be an informative text that you're writing and, and information seeking people would be using that. <clears throat> so it's more of a phrase than just a word anymore. More of a phrase and more intent focused rather than just a keyword or a key phrase. Uh, because a person that's looking for information about an iPhone is gonna be in a different mindset and they're gonna be using different keywords to do the search and they would respond differently <clears throat> to the content. If they are in a, in a, in a further phase of, uh, of the conversion journey uh, into product comparison, then they would be saying, uh, in, uh, searching like top smartphones to, to pick from, and the mindset there is a little bit different so, uh, so that the copy that you use, the text that you produce, should be aimed at that mental and emotional frame that, that the people are in. And then further, or actually almost at the end of the funnel, when people are almost ready to buy, uh, that's going to be the purchasing phase. 
and the phrases and the emotions that you want to, to push would be different. Let's say uh, uh, best place to buy a smartphone in Wichita so that the texts and the phrases that people use will be different in these different phases. So it's not just a key word, it's a, it's a funnel that you're building with your content. Right, so what, what we're looking at now then in helping to get our customers to find us becomes the whole thing that all of us have been talking about, and I know Mike talks about this really big, is you have to know who you're talking to. So not only do you have to know who you're talking to, you have to know what they're asking right? There's probably a lot of really cool ways to find that out. I missed that. I'm sorry. Sorry. I said there's probably a lot of cool ways to find that out. Uh, yes. Uh, keyword buckets. Uh, uh, you would start with, with a topic and then you map out the customer journey from a tire kicker to a brand evangelist and you map out each step and you basically build content for that, uh, for those stages. And it's gonna be a lot more than just the keywords that, uh, that a person would type in. It's gonna be hitting the right emotions, hitting the right sentiment in that text. Um, yeah, that, you know what, that leads us right into the next question about, um, I've actually, you know, someone actually sent this question and I had heard it myself, is that content is no longer king Blogging doesn't really work anymore, but what, you, it, what you're saying is that we need to have this information and have it on. Are you talking about having it in a blog and does that still work? Uh, I would say blogs and blogging definitely works, but it has shifted from uh, just pumping out content into doing a lot of research, uh, which involves psychology, psychological profiling of your target audience and then figuring out the psychological journey from a person that just heard about your brand to a position of them being first a client and then a brand evangelist. Uh, if your blog doesn't cover all these stages, then blogging and content marketing in general is not really gonna work because you're not addressing your target audience in their specific mindset where they are emotionally. Gotcha. But if you produce content that is energetic, um, that is informative, that is entertaining to read, and then yes, it's gonna work. Uh, and why do I know that? I know that because with that approach of user intent copywriting, uh, we help plans grow organically without any link building or anything at a rate of 15% a month compounding that's doubling their traffic every six months. Wow. So my, yeah. what you're saying is my daughter who is going into um, uh, criminal profiling would be a fantastic person to help me determine what to write in my blog post. <laughs> Uh, I would say there's going to be a ton of transferable knowledge there. Definitely. <laughs> right. Cool. Nate, we're going to have to use Summer's experience to help us find our clients. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll use all of her expertise for that. Yeah. So Igor and anybody else who wants to participate in this next question, the question was, um, let me actually pull it up here and make sure I say it right. Um, how much new, ver new content versus curated content? So I know a while back, a lot of people are saying just curate it, curate it, grab what other people are doing and have it on there multiple times. But now that's, that's a big no, no. Now Google is like, eh, don't do it. 
Um, yeah, well, I would separate the questions in, in, uh, in two subsections. So curated, curated content on your website and then curated uh, content on your social uh, profiles. Sure. Um, some people unfortunately still curate content for their website, uh, which is basically plagiarism. Um, and we don't want that. I mean, if you, if you are a serious brand and you want to have a serious presence on the web, then you don't steal other people's content. You create your own. Um, that could be based on a lot of research. Um, and you can definitely, and you should quote uh, the, the sources that, uh, that you've used. Uh, but it, it shouldn't be a copy-paste deal because it just doesn't uh, go well for your brand. Maybe you would rank for a while, but um, you can always get a call from, from, the, from the brand's lawyer saying, hey, you're kind of stealing our content. Uh, you need to take it out. Um, so for web content, I would say just don't. Just do your own research and do your own copywriting. It's going to uh, do a lot better for you long-term. And if you're a serious business, you want long-term success. And then the other sub-question of curation uh, on, on social media. I see a lot of people uh, curating other people's content for social, uh, for their Facebook wall or for their uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. I would say don't do it. Um, I would say if you have your audience and you have their attention on your social uh, profile, why use that or squander that audience uh, time presenting other people's content? Uh, people gave you their time and they gave it to you. So use it to say something that you would want to say. Um, and this is where this uh, um, uh, social media app that, uh, that you've mentioned earlier on, this is where it comes in handy because it doesn't create duplicate content and you don't want to duplicate, con uh, duplicate over and over the same stuff. You want originality. Right. Well, as it turns out, you can be original without stealing other people's stuff. Shocking. Is everybody sitting down to hear that? That's, that's like the shocking thing right there. I'm shocked. Uh, Igor, tell us about, tell us, um, Populizer is what it's called, right? And we'll have a link um, in our show notes to it. But Populizer, just give us a quick rundown of what that does for people. Okay. Uh, I think it, it prevents uh, marketers that want to do quick work from doing dumb stuff. Um, Twitter, as, as uh, hopefully the audience knows, is now preventing people from tweeting the same stuff over and over again, especially yep. tweeting it now and then tweeting the same thing a few minutes ago, uh, a few minutes after. What Populizer does is it's creating a whole like a cloud of social signals or social posts around each blog post. So which, what we do for our clients and what Populizer does is it's taking the URL of the blog that we want to promote and then it's creating three to five uh, text variations from the title and then three to five text variations from the meta description. And then it's pulling all the images that you use in the blog. And then you have, let's say five titles, five meta descriptions, five images, and that's a lot of unique content. And it, then it's rearranging them and building up to 25 single unique social posts. And then it's posting them all on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. And that is helping marketers create actual uh, social campaigns in a few minutes. 
That's awesome. Mike, do you think that would work on Twitter if you've got all of the different, so the titles come up and you have the same blog post, but it comes up with three different titles, five different meta descriptions or something like that. But it's the same content, but it's coming up with different words, right? Yeah, as long as the, the intelligence is smart enough to write it in a format that the copy is something that's interesting and clickable, mm. of course. I mean, Twitter, as you know, is my number one traffic source across five different websites. And, you know, it's built me a Facebook group in the last 15 days to over 600 people um, just through tweeting. So it's, yeah. it's very valuable. But again, it's also having the right audience, using the right hashtags, writing good copy. You do that, you're going to take off. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Igor, thank you for your brilliance. You are tremendous. I always love having you and uh, gleaning from your amazing knowledge. So thanks so much thank for joining you. us for the show today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or by visiting themessybackend.com so you never miss an episode. We love hearing about your messy backends so that we can help you clean them up and be more successful. Let us know how we can help at themessybackend.com. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. A big thank you to my co-host, Nate Tucker, who helps bring out your inner beauty and vision through coaching, photography, and video at laughingwithnate.com. Stanley Bostwick, who helped us, well, let's face it, he actually did our audio and video editing. And believe me, that was a big, messy back end. Cassandra Bostwick, my beautiful daughter, who is a much better writer than I, who helped with the show notes and editing. Remember, if it tires you out, hire it out. Put your business on autopilot so you can actually live your life. Visit lockandloadmarketing.com for more than just marketing. We clean up and help with the messy back end, but we also make the front end look beautiful. Woo, well, that's all we have for today's episode of the, 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 the messy back end. Join us again next week as our experts share more customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes on in the back end of entrepreneurship. Remember, you are not alone. Every business has a messy back end and needs a little attention.